You are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I'm here with Jacob from Xavier Protocols, who's going to help me tackle Avengers Assemble Part 2. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Thanks for having me back once again. Well, I uh, I kind of want to apologize for, like, this Avengers one has been one of the hardest ones to prepare answers and such for, for these affiliation focus part two <laughs> yeah you sent me a list of questions and i've been doing some puzzling over them and i think i've got some decent answers so we'll see how we go this is definitely one where i felt like i had to put twice if not triple the amount of work into thinking about my answers compared to some of the other affiliations avengers is extremely interesting in a lot of ways not very straightforward mm, absolutely yeah it's, it's tactically quite deep um and as we'll see hopefully well so uh again i've been saying this on each of these episodes listeners if you are new to the show and you want some of the basic advice about uh your affiliation i would check out avengers assemble part one um also like across the bifrost has done an avengers affiliation episode these are some of the more um traditional stuff about you know, what sort of characters are important, what sort of tactics cards are important. This part two is a series of more deeper questions into the kind of game theory and tactics for the affiliations. And you probably want that basic stuff first. Um, but Jacob, where we're going to start is the win condition for Avengers. And so listeners, what I mean here is how is that affiliation getting a tactical advantage on the table that is leading to scoring more victory points than your opponent? So this is potentially one of the hardest questions to answer for <laughs> Avengers, too. Um, what did you end up coming up with, Jacob? Okay, so this might sound flippant, but I'm going to unpack it a little bit. But I think okay. the best way for them to win is for them not to lose. And what I mean by that is typically the Avengers are incredibly, the word we've kind of settled on is kind of reactive. They're able to play a lot of different ways. And I think as an Avengers player, what you should be doing is looking across at the roster at the stage of choosing your list. You're looking at a roster and going, what kind of a roster are they going to be bringing? What kind of a list are they going to be bringing on this crisis, given the roster I see in front of me? What is it they want to do? And I am going to frustrate them in doing that. So to give an example, let's say you're sitting across from a, a, a single affiliation cabal roster. It's relatively clear their game plan is going to be to try and daze and KO your characters to their advantage. So what you should be thinking is going, well, my best counter to that is to take resilient characters who can, um, who can survive that or who can then take the power that they're being given and use that to their benefit on this crisis. Uh, if uh, I try and race them on doing damage, they've got, they're better specialized at doing damage than I am. I can build that way. Avengers has totally got the uh, the depth of roster to be able to build a heavy hitting, um, attacking, one of days you want to KO you type of uh, force. But I don't think they're going to do that better than Cabal are going to do it. And even if they do it as well, Cabal have got the power generation advantage from going down that kind of strategy. To flip that around, if you see something like Wakanda, which wants to play, uh, well, I'm going to control you all over the place. Maybe you're looking at either denial effects, which do exist within um, the affiliation, or you're looking at, well, now I'm going to uh, flip around and I'm going to go for a strong attacking. I'm going to try and take out your characters so that you can't control me with them. It's something I think has an incredibly high skill floor 
to do this well. I think putting together an Avengers roster is relatively uh, relatively easy. You just kind of pick some characters you like, and maybe there's a bit of thought into it. But actually turning that roster into an effective list to play against an opponent in order to win on a particular scenario, I think that is actually a very skillful thing to be able to do. I agree with you on basically everything that you said. I, I think in addition to the term reactive, you could also say adaptive. Um, yep. It's... They absolutely, one of the strengths of Avengers is their ability to customize their team for any situation, which actually feels very Avengers when you think about it from like a comic book perspective, like sending the right characters to do the right job is Mm. incredibly crucial for them. And I think that applies in MCP in a huge way where your ability to pick the right characters for the job, they have a lot more specialized characters like Hawkeye ends up in certain situations where he's amazing and in other situations, he's not very good. Yep. And so knowing when Hawkeye is the perfect fit for your team could be, you know, one of those, one of those crucial examples. I want to add on to this though. One of the other things I found beyond just like team construction, I also found that turn one is incredibly important for Avengers in a, in a way that's slightly different than all the other affiliations. One of your biggest advantages as an Avengers player is that you can activate superpowers turn one that other affiliations can't, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we already know like from teams like Thor launch, obviously like Thor can use for Asgard turn one. Now that's not to necessarily say you need to use it every turn one, but the fact that you can should either be threatening your opponent to force them out of situations or you're just putting that pressure on them. And so you're like, I can do this How, like, and be positioned so you could, depending on what they do. But there's a whole array of characters that can do things on turn one. Like, think about it. Killmonger and Zemo can charge round one with them where they wouldn't normally be able to. You've got, you know, Black Panther can pounce round one. You've got a bunch of characters with access to throws like Vision. You know, all of these things matter. And so I think you need to be thinking about how does Avengers and that affiliation bonus give me some advantages in round one that I can carry into, you know, a long-term advantage. Like uh, Hawkeye being able to hook arrow round mm. one. All, all these things I think are a, a big deal and you should be utilizing that to your advantage. And I think that's going to be one of the driving forces for Avengers. Absolutely. This is going to tie in with one of our topics later about balanced power. But that leadership ability, the more often you get benefit from it, the better position you're going to be in in the game. And so if you're able to use that leadership ability term one, where a lot of uh, affiliations can't use their leadership ability term one, or it's, it's relatively rare, if you can get a lot of value out of that, then that's going to put you in a good position when it comes to balance of power. Yeah, I, I also think that because of the consistency of the affiliation or the, of the leadership bonus, um, Avengers plays into turn five and six better than most affiliations do. And well, that, uh, yeah, totally. I think the other thing I had written down is their resilience, is their other sort of defining characteristic. They've got some fantastically resilient characters. I mean, you're always taking Captain America, who's one of the m- most resilient characters in the game, Black Panther fills that uh, sort of multi-tool role. He's lots of different things he can do. He can control, he can dish out damage, he can um, take damage very effectively because of his vibranium uh, superpowers. Uh, you've got um, people like Hulk, who's just this massive hit pull, and uh, he does go down, but he's 
you know, he, he's a pretty resilient character just by virtue of having 20 stamina. So that's another thing which they can, is an, almost a defining feature of the affiliation, is they've got some of the most resilient characters in the game. And I would even say, like, a step past resilience, they have a lot of, like, specific defensive counters for a lot of situations. They're the only affiliation with an affiliated stealth character, right? Like. Mm-hmm. There's just lots of situations where they can customize a specific defense for the situation that they need. I don't mean defense specifically as in the stat, but we could be talking about stealth or vision not being able to be pushed, right? Like all of these things play in um, until the end of the line. Like that's another situation. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's an often overlooked card, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. For sure. All right. So is there anything else you want to say on win condition before we move on to the next one? Uh, so just to reiterate, very rarely can you go in to uh, a crisis with a specific plan without reference to your opponent. You need to be looking at their roster. You need to be trying to guess what they're going to be bringing and then looking at your roster and thinking, right, how can I frustrate them? And I totally agree. And I think that may be a hard thing for some Avenger players to um, to hear because we do. There's definitely a kind of a play style difference depending on what kind of player you are, where some people want to just come in like I'm presenting this team and I'm going to make you deal with it and make you respond to what I'm doing. And then there are players that prefer to like have a very adaptive play style and be very reactive. And like, I'm going to try to bring the right counters to what you're doing. And you, you may end up realizing like, hey, I'm a person who wants to play Avengers because I like Cap or whatever. <laughs> yep. But you have a um, a much more like in your face play style. And if you want to be getting the most out of Avengers, I do think that you want to just at least be able to recognize where you can make subtle tweaks to your team. And maybe that's just shuffling around a three point slot. But any amount that you can do that is where you're really going to take the Avengers advantage and be able to lead that towards victory points. Mm. Another way of thinking about it, maybe, is some uh, some war games have this kind of question and answer paradigm where they say, well, I'm going to bring a list which answers a big question. And if you can't answer the question, I win. And other lists uh, are designed to be, well, I've got answers here for a whole load of different things. And although Avengers can ask some pretty specific questions, it feels to me like it's got more answers than any other faction. I would agree with that. And so, yeah, that's just one where um, your 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 versatility is another great word for it. Um, yep. Avengers are extremely versatile. And I think you want to you just want to be flexible and be ready to make subtle changes in your lists. And that's that's going to be the thing that will like carry you the furthest. All right, well, let's hop into our next one, which is controlling priority. Does the affiliation generally want to go first or last? And how does having priority shift the game plan? Um, I think this was one where we decided I was going to talk first on it. Is that right? This one's extremely interesting for Avengers because I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Playing off what we said in win conditions, I think Avengers, more than any other affiliation, wants to actively put their opponent in what they don't want. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Wakanda generally wants to go second. I mean, they can go first, but they want to go second. And when you find a Cabal player playing against a Wakanda player, Wakanda generally wants to go second, and Cabal generally wants to go first, and both kind of just still want to let the other player do what they want, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
And I think Avengers more so doesn't favor either one. They want to specifically take an advantage away from their opponent, though. If you're playing against Cabal, I think Avengers want to take that advantage away from them and they want priority. And then against Wakanda, they want to not have priority. And I think that's that's what plays into the Avengers plan is because they don't need either one. It's more important for them to just put their opponent in the position where their opponent doesn't have the optimal situation for themselves. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. But then that comes into the list building step, because if you're trying to deny priority from a Wakanda list, you need to make sure that you are at least equaling them in terms of number of characters on the board. And the same for Cabal. If you want to be trying to steal priority from them, you need the same or ideally even fewer characters than them on the board. So it's uh, predicting what your opponent is going to do at list building can really impact your list building in order to try and manipulate priority. And so sometimes this can mean things like when you have attacks or you want to like actively daze someone, this can factor into which character you target. Against Wakanda, you want them to maintain priority. And so it can be very important to daze a character from Wakanda that hasn't activated so that yep. they don't get the last activation. Where versus Cabal, you may want to specifically target someone who has already activated and so that you are not shifting and giving them priority back. Mm. And so all of those subtle decisions can can impact you, where I just think, recognize what your opponent wants and try not to let them have it. And that feels like the best game plan for Avengers. Just take away the advantages that your opponents want to have and force them to play the Avengers game into your versatility and your you know adaptive and reactive style. And I think you're going to do that better than your opponents. Mm. So one thing that's worth bearing in mind is how your team tactics cards can play into that. I think in particular, uh, field dressing, because field dressing, you can get back a character that's been dazed and had then have them activate, which will then affect your priority. Now, field dressing is a really popular card, but if you're playing it against Cabal, it loses some of its benefit there because of its... Uh, interaction with the priority game because you're then saying okay i get my character back to have the activation that it would have been denied but now i'm being i'm going to give priority back to the cabal player i'm not going to be able to take it from them where otherwise maybe i would have so just bear those kind of tactics cards follow me is another good example um although we'll talk more about that later uh where it can impact your priority game and so just have that in mind when you're building your roster even thinking okay well if i put this card in there are going to be times when it's actively going to work against me yeah definitely it's it's going to be it's going to be a challenge there and it raises some important questions like does adventures want follow me in their um in their lineup do you potentially want to have access to corvus and proxima like they, yeah. it it creates some very interesting questions that I don't necessarily think are easy to answer. And they're really going to be up for each individual player to go, does this fit into my plan? Mm. And so it's, it's definitely a challenge with Avengers. This, as we said, I think Avengers ends up being one of the higher skill cap affiliations. So yeah, certainly at list design and to an extent on the table as well. All right. So any other thoughts that you have on controlling priority? I think it's easy to slip into the I always want priority 
I think you just need to check yourself every game you're playing. Is that true? Because often you might find it's not. I would say with Avengers, you may even want to be like, if you're noticing that you are preferring one route or the other more than half of the time, you might want to step back and go, am I truly making the right decision or am I falling into a comfort zone? Hmm. And depending on, you know, your opponents, like obviously if your opponents are always playing Cabal, you were probably always wanting to go first. But, you know, it's still like just a a step of self-examination is probably really good with Avengers because it's easy for any of us to fall into habits and fall into comfort zones. And I think if Avengers is your favorite affiliation, I would be more cautious of that than probably any other. So, all right, Jacob, shall we do crisis coordination? Yeah. All right. So what we mean here is which crisis is going to create an advantage for Avengers? And is there any situation where a particular crisis and a threat value justify needing to have a really specific plan or having multi-affiliation? But the key thing here is what sort of crisis options does Avengers want to force on their opponent? Yeah, so... Whenever I start thinking about crises, I always start thinking about secures because they dictate so much about the shape of the game. Um, extracts can be really impactful too, but secures is where I always start thinking about it. And the only uh, the ones which jump out at you as being particularly beneficial for Avengers are uh, Deadly Meteors and Extremists. Those are the two I think that really, if I'm playing an Avengers affiliation, those are the ones I want to be pushing towards. Uh, for meteors it's largely a kind of a, a counter uh, a lot of the rosters running around are uh, wakanda and cabal if they're not already avengers and those two want to have a fast game where they can uh, leverage their advantages in either control or dazing to get a quick lead which is impossible to overcome and so by limiting the maximum number of points that they can score to three rather than four on secures or even six on gamma shelters you're just kind of slowing the pace of that game down and if you can win it half the time or even a third of the time you're just limiting the speed at which they're accelerating towards that 16 victory point total uh the other one extremists there's just some really great characters for them which a lot of affiliations struggle to have good characters on extremists particularly on that back um home extremist console whereas either of uh, Corset, uh, Black Widow, or Hawkeye, those are both fantastic characters for sitting back there. Black Widow, because she's got stealth, she can just sit there and go, well, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to rake in victory points. Turn round one, I'm going to run and pick up and extract and then run to this central secure, and then I'm scoring two victory points every turn, and if you want to deal with me, you've got to come close to me because of my stealth. Then, if you want to actually take this off me, you've got to come to within uh, range one of the Uh, secure i'm sitting on which means you're within range two of me so my martial artist ability kicks in so i am so much harder to kill even with my four stamina hawkeye's great because he's the only character in the game who can sit on that back console and impact one of the other wide ones the way he does that he'll move make make a range five attack and then hook arrow back onto the console there's uh, no other characters who can do that kind of maneuver and just sit there and go okay I'm, I'm three threat, I'm kind of out of the game, but I'm still able to make one attack a turn on whichever side it's more impactful for me to make that attack. 
Absolutely. I agree. Both of those are great choices for Avengers. And I know there's probably a fair amount of people going like, well, why not formula? And I think we're going to get in that a little bit more when we start talking about the balance of power for Mm. um, because it's just a situation where in a lot of cases, other affiliations really actively prefer playing in formula. And I don't think Avengers wants to give people what they want absolutely it's it's coming back to that same point that you've got to kind of look at your opponent and think what do they want and then think well let's give them something that's not that so it's it's i think they are particularly good on deadly meteors another thing that jumps out is the number of characters who've got four energy defense uh i've got some lots of characters with access to that including one who's always going to be there in captain america so that's always helpful um who also does not mind being in the center of the board at all Absolutely. And in Extremis, uh, we talked about how resilient they are. Uh, that one healing is even more valuable on those hard-to-damage characters. Uh, imagine getting one healing on Shuri. That's great. She's, she's healed up a bit, but she's really not very hard to take that one away again. Compare that to Captain America or Black Panther. It's much harder to remove that extra healing that they've got. Yeah, you notice how often like Venom's seventh stamina means that he stays alive when other characters would go down. Yeah, this this can potentially give Cap, you know, that extra stamina that ends up making a huge difference. And like taking down Cap on his injured side when he's been able to heal one or two points is yeah, it's hard. Every one of those points is so hard to get in the first place. Um, I do want to talk about extracts, though, and this was something that I didn't think about going into this. But the more I've been working on these episodes, the more I've been thinking that Avengers may actually want to choose extracts. And I think they may intentionally want to grab the extracts that slow down the game because very few other affiliations want to play into herbs and very (laughs) few actively want to play into scrolls or Cree power core. And you if you're choosing those, you have the ability as Avengers to always slow down the game. And since a huge amount of your enemies are going to want to speed up the game and play the more um, aggressive extract situations. I think you have a you have a good potential that I would almost always choose those as an Avengers team and get that game slowed down so nobody can make these big spikes to get ahead of you and they all have to play into your like, well, Cap is with you till the end of the line, baby. Like, we're going all the way. Mm -hmm. I hope you're ready for it. And I think that's where Avengers can also get an advantage. Um, Absolutely. I I can totally see that rationale and and I agree. Uh, I do think, touching on something which you discussed with Pat in your Cabal episode, that sometimes on spider infected that can be almost a stagger which is again slowing the game down so if i had to pick another one of the extracts uh, i'd go for spider infected because that could have a similar effect on slowing the maybe not the vp scoring of the game but the flow of the game gets slowed by that i would agree with that as well i think i think spider infected is a potentially really good choice for avengers and they have a lot of cool movement tricks and such too Mm -hmm. you know with black panthers you know throwing himself and hawkeye's hook arrow you can get around some of those spider infected movements a little better than the average team and so i do think spider infected is probably one that avengers should be looking at again not because spider infected gives them some sort of great advantage but they just don't have as much of a penalty from it as the other affiliations do I, I can totally see that. 
So that would be like that would be some of my core advice. And I think maybe that's where if you really want to excel with Avengers and if you're choosing secures, I feel like Deadly Meteors is your choice like 90 percent of the time. Right. Like if you can force deadly meteors on almost anyone, that's going to give you an advantage. Um, And then just be careful not to be giving because almost everyone else wants to choose like hammers and evac. And so I'd really specifically try not to give your opponents those crisis. I can see that. Uh, All right. Any other thoughts that you have on crisis coordination before we move on? No, I don't think so. Um, I suppose the only last thing is uh, I think Avengers more so than probably any affiliation can get by with a single affiliation roster. Um, There really isn't a situation that's like absolutely horrible for them as long as you have a nice diverse roster. But I don't know. I was wondering what your thoughts on that are. Yeah. um, I think there are some which are more difficult to build for. You were talking again on your episode with Pat on the Cabal episode uh, about how difficult it is to build a balanced two-sided one for the infinity formula i think that is something that is is manageable but it is pretty tricky it takes practice to know exactly what to put into that kind of a roster and again to an extent you're going to have to look at what your opponent is likely to bring into that um just uh, as an example the uh sort of the red skull modok the uh, on one side and ultron killmonger on another side that can be very tricky to play into with avengers yeah, you definitely, that's one where I would say you want to make sure you have a specific team in mind for 17, 18, and 19 playing on formula. Um, but the plus side in the situation with what we're talking about is if you're a not bringing formula, which I don't think you should yeah. as an Avengers player, and you also are not choosing hammers or evac, you can kind of get yourself out of the situation a little bit where that standard corridor crisis that is created in the team formation, which happens a lot with like Wakanda and Cabal playing against Mm -hmm. each other. You can take yourself out of that equation totally by going, well, we're doing a power core. And so we're going to do power core and consoles, which then can change that dynamic a bit. Um, or vice versa, if you're saying, well, yeah, sure, we're playing EVAC, but now we're playing Deadly Meteors and everything else is in the middle of the board. <laughs> and um, don't, I would say, like, get yourself out of letting that situation happen because that's not an optimal spot for Avengers. Mm. All right, well, shall we move on to Balance of Power? This one is incredibly interesting for Avengers because we've already mentioned a little bit that you. Um, you can put a lot of pressure on your opponent by what you can do round one when other people cannot. But specifically what balance of power is talking about is how does the affiliation manage its power and its opponent's power? And how does that management affect the overall game plan? And because Avengers in a lot of ways has kind of a static amount of power that it can, you know, reduce over the course of a game. They really don't want to let the game become some big explosive amount of power in the way that Cabal does Mm. because things can escalate out of the Avengers control really quickly. And in a lot of cases, I think you want to, you want to keep the game at a lower amount of power. This is again, comes back into why you really don't want to play on infinity formula. You don't want that power level to be escalating. 
Um, and I would say whenever possible, use your defensive abilities to cut down on their power generation. Like, don't hesitate to use vibranium shield and things like that against strikes. Like, cut down on their ability to generate power so that they don't have as much access to their really powerful tactics cards and Modok having access to rerolls and all that sort of stuff. Like, you want to tone all of that down because then it's for the lower power game. I think that's where Avengers get an advantage. What were your what were your thoughts when reviewing this question, Jacob? Yeah, very much the same. Um, but also tying back to the point I made earlier about uh, using Cap's leadership. Well, the way you make sure you are using Cap's leadership as often as possible is to have ways of using it on your turn. So some maybe a throw or uh, a placement effect or some kind of yep. uh, uh, multiplier for your dice, um, and also having defensive abilities so a really great example of this is loki who's got um uh, i'm a god in order to make his dice better on his turn but he's also got trickster to be able to defend himself on your opponent's turn um and just filling your team full of these annoying people who've got these defensive abilities which help them um help defend themselves which reduces the power generation um but also gives you that power economy advantage in a subtle way because it's not that you have more power than your opponent but your abilities cost you less and therefore you don't need to spend as much power to get the effects so again the more often you can trigger that the better situation you're going to find yourself in in the game and again that comes down to rust construction and list construction I agree. And I think there's a lot of still interesting, unaffiliated characters that you can pull in to utilize these things. And I think Loki is a big part of that. Um, and the more I've thought about some of these different things, the more I think Loki is potentially a really big part of what the, the meta for this game will end up looking like. Mm. Who wants to have Loki and what do you deal? What do you do when someone brings Loki against you? Uh, but man, does he love being an Avenger? Yep, and then he plays in further to that um, low power game you were talking about because of the tax he puts on people using powers. So that further reduces the amount of power in the game. So he's yeah plays into that strategy very nicely. One hundred percent agree. Like I almost think Loki's one of the best Avengers. But I mean, even when you're just talking about characters like Hawkeye, we've mentioned multiple times, he's got an ability he likes to use on his turn with, you know, a hook arrow. And then he's also got his quick shot to like potentially do rebuttals against opponents. I think all mm -hmm. of that sort of stuff plays into the Avengers plan. And I think the more that you can have characters that can do that sort of thing, uh, the better. But yeah, it's key. I would say my moral of the story would be like, keep the overall power spending to um to a minimum or not just spending but like the amount of power that people can generate you want to take that away from them as much as possible and be thinking about situations where say you know that they need to get power to do x like there was a game i won where we were playing deadly meteors and i was at a point where i had two out of three of the of them scored and all i needed to do was to not let him get one more and he had done something with um zemo and used his power out of activation i can't remember if it was a tactics card or what it was exactly but his zemo was on zero and that was his last character and <laughs> then there were also like days characters nearby um and so what i did was i took my last character and i just ran them away <laughs> and then all of a sudden zemo literally had no one to attack 
And so he couldn't generate any power because he needed to be like in a certain vicinity of the board to be able to flip a particular meteor. But he couldn't get to anyone to attack and potentially get back to that spot. And so suddenly then it was like, oh, okay, like I've just lost this game because Zemo's on zero power. And I think Mm. that's the sort of situation that Avengers wants to create. You need to understand when to not be part of the conflict and not even give them an option to generate power um, and penalize them a lot for going down to zero, especially with things like deadly meteors and or like make them use spenders. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, crap. I dazed you, but I can't pick up the extract now mm-hmm. because I spent all of my power. Like you want those sort of situations as much as possible. Absolutely. All right. So common mistakes with Avengers. Um, this is an interesting one because originally I did not have this question in here, but when I was recording with Pat, I just we kind of fell into it, and I thought it was such a great topic. I thought it was one that we should probably cover mm-hmm. for every affiliation. And I think with Avengers, the number one problem i see is comes from the team construction side and you need to be flexible i think if you're bringing the same avengers team against everyone that's probably a mistake and you really want to be having that flexibility using your specialist to your advantage recognizing which character is right for that situation um where more so than the other affiliations, there's not going to be like, this is the team to play all the time. There's going to be a lot of times where you want to be taking advantage of that flexibility. But also, this comes back to the balance of power. I think how you use your defensive powers can be really significant. Um, And if you have to like choose between sometimes like what to block, like deny power generation as much as possible, And again, I know we were just talking about this, but I think you really want to err on the side of that to keep the general power low, because that is where you're going to maintain your advantage. And so, like, if sometimes if you have a choice, you're like, oh, there's going to be a spender and a strike, like deny them that power when you can. Um, Sometimes, like, you're going to get days and occasion and that's okay, but try to leave them in a situation where they don't have much power to use. And so you can drag that game out and make it, make it a longer, more impactful game. What were your thoughts, Jacob? What sort of common mistakes did you see with Avengers? One of the big ones that I've seen is having cap sitting there on one or two power and choosing when am I going to, I know I'm going to take two attacks from this character this turn. When am I going to vibranium shield? You're adding two dice to your defense roll to try and reduce the amount of damage you're taking. If you do it on the first one, there's a good chance that you're going to reduce the amount of damage you take to the point where you cannot afford to vibranium shield the second attack. Now, that can work both ways. It depends what your priority is in that turn. Is your priority what we've just been talking about in power denial, in which case you probably want to be denying the strike from doing as much damage and denying power generation? Or sometimes in the game, it's just vitally important that Cap doesn't get dazed or KO'd. And so you might want to be going, you know what, I'm going to let that smaller strike go because I know I'm getting a spender coming at me later in, in in the turn. And so I need to save it for that. So that's something that I've learned and from bitter experience, <laughs> that you can—it's easy to make the wrong call on that decision. Oh, also, while we're talking about Cap, um, one of the biggest mistakes I see with him is when people kind of go willy-nilly and just start throwing shields around, and like, oh man, I just—I think if I can get a wild, I can hit both of these characters, and just randomly give two characters one to two power each. Mm, 
yep. and set them up for all of a sudden now they can get to their charges or get to their amplifiers when you really don't want them to. And so just be careful. Like, it's okay if Cap doesn't make attacks, right? Like, it's, it is okay. And don't just start throwing shields around and, like, loading your opponents up with bonus power. Because if you think about how often you're like, oh, I'm one power short to do this perfect, awesome maneuver. If you just start throwing his shields around and just giving people one or two damage, you can end up in a spot where you're just setting them up for always having, like, really optimal, strong plays. And so just make sure if you are making attacks with Cap that it, it is for a specific reason. Because, again, you want to keep that power low. So don't don't start dealing damage when it's not right for you. Uh, another one uh, that it's interesting, we were discussing this on Discord just before we came on, actually, uh, is taking expensive uh, team tactics cards. Something like Follow Me is a great example. It costs six power. And normally with Avengers, we talked about trying to maximize your use of reactive powers in order to get Cap's uh, ability triggering as many times as possible. If you're sitting on six power or spending six power, you haven't got the power available for those reactive abilities, which are fantastic and keep your characters alive and reduce the power generation and all those other good things that we were talking about. So taking some of those really high investment tac team tactics cards uh, and to an extent even patch up patch up's kind of versatile though because you can do it for less but um, it makes me wonder i don't have a strong opinion on this yet but maybe med pack is better in avengers than patch up is for that reason because you never want to really be spending it for five yeah i mean that's uh, it is definitely a thing to be considering either way um, but I, I think part of this uh, topic was supposed to be tactics the affiliation has access to, which we don't see, which get overlooked maybe as well. Um, and I think one that I, uh, one team tactics card I, I do like, and in fact, I think it's the only affiliation where I consider this team tactics card now, is Recalibration Matrix. I think that's a great one for Avengers because they don't have a lot of rerolls in affiliation. Outside of Black Panther, I'm not sure there's any. What that allows you to do is if you are needing to go on a, right, I really need to daze this character, your counterplay to your opponent is you're going aggro and you're going to daze their characters, it smooths out those flubbed rolls. Uh, if you're playing the other way around and you need to be resilient against like a Cabal player, then you can get him once they spike really high on, say, Modok, and that's going to generate a whole load of power for him. You can go, do you know what? Let's let's go again. and Let's re-roll that. Uh, and you can try and deny that power generation and while also playing into your game plan. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to do like a straight card swap here. If you're playing Avengers and you're like, "Oh, Black Widow or like Agent Widow is one of the best characters to have Doomed Prophecy and you keep sticking in Doomed Prophecy, I think there's a really really possible chance that you'd be better switching that one for Recalibration Matrix. They have the same cost. And Doomed Prophecy only really helps you in the situation where you're like, I need to make this person get dazed or like to drop their extract so that I can win the game. And that's where Doom Prophecy really excels. Mm -hmm. But having a card like Recalibration Matrix that can help you either direction, like can either help you survive something or can help you um, offensively as well. Because again, I think one point that we're trying to hit home with Avengers is their versatility and their ability to adapt to situations. And I think Recalibration Matrix really plays into that very well. 
And because I think they want to see turn five and turn six more than most other affiliations, I think playing some stuff like Doomed Prophecy can be really counterintuitive to that. Now, I'm not saying don't ever bring Doomed Prophecy because we also said sometimes you want to try to deal with an affiliation in a way that they don't want to be dealt with or deal with an affiliation in a way that they don't want to be dealt with. Like, say, Wakanda, where maybe you do want Doomed Prophecy specifically against Wakanda because you're going to try to daze some of their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Recalibration Matrix allows you to be more adaptive and more reactive and um, is absolutely one I think um, Avengers should be considering very regularly. Uh, one more uh, strategy that I think maybe some people aren't aware of, I haven't considered, is backstopping. Now, this is against a character like Shuri in particular. It's a great strategy against Shuri. Backstopping is where you put another character directly behind a character you don't want to be pushed. So if Shuri shoots, let's say, Captain America in the front, and you've put Iron Man just behind Captain America, Captain America can't be pushed because he must be pushed away, and he would push directly and contact Iron Man and stop. So he just doesn't move if they're base to base. Where that becomes really powerful is, well, okay, why don't I just push Iron Man away first? Well, Cap can bodyguard off Iron Man so that it goes to him first, so that Iron Man doesn't get pushed, so that both of them stay where they are. So that's just a little bit of anti-Shuri tech, uh, which I think is particularly salient in Avengers, because you can bodyguard for one. 100% 100% agree. That is great tech for them. You're reminded there's one other thing I wanted to hit on in common mistakes as well. Um, I think um, one, Modoc does not see a lot of Avengers play, but that does not mean he's bad there. Um, and I also don't think people play Venom quite as often as they probably should in Avengers. And mm. I want to specifically remind people that they both have abilities that can only be used once per turn on a specific character but can be used multiple times in the same turn. So keep in mind, Venom can absolutely webline one person for one and pull him off a crisis and then webline a different person for two. And that is a really important like tool to have at your disposal where you can, because of your power um, economy, that you may have the ability to do both of them in the same activation. Um, and the same thing can apply for Modoc, where he can like bow to the will and walk off one person and only spend one on it and then walk off a different person as well. Um, and so I think that's something to keep in mind when you can do multiple of those to really like change the dynamics of a game. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes Modoc is left out because he's directly compared with Thor because they're both five threat and Thor uh, is in affiliation and can benefit from Avengers Assemble. Uh, but I think there's possibly a space, particularly uh, at 18 threats. So we're talking about hammers against Cabal where you're wanting to tr- probably try and field a four character team. So you're kind of racing them for priority. So having a two five costs and two four costs, so you've got Cap, Thor, Modoc, and one more, that can actually be quite an effective team against Cabal. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. You could easily have uh, Vision or Black Panther in that slot, yep. no problem. Um, I think all of that stuff works out. And Avengers does like durable characters, and Modoc is very durable on his healthy side. Oh, yeah. Like, him negating wilds, all that stuff like that, it plays into the Avengers plan of hurting people's overall power generation. And he's got sap power. And mm. so again, 
he he just plays like we've already discussed this like <laughs> to a great extent that Modok is wonderful when you are thinking about the overall balance of power. He has so many great ways of using his power. And he has great ways to punish other people by, like, taking away their successes and his ability to, like, take power away from someone with sap power. So he he really can still play into that game plan. And I think it's just up to you as a player to decide, is Modoc right for this specific team in this particular matchup? Absolutely. All right, well, we have one final topic, the, the evolution of the game and what sort of new releases um, are going to be affecting the team design, either because you're including them or because you need to include counters to them. So what out of the upcoming stuff do you think affects Avengers the most? Uh, it's got to be the double widow. You've got such a big decision to make when you're building an Avengers roster. Just a little oh, reminder, yeah. you can't take two characters with the same alter ego in your roster. Not in your list you're building, not in the team, in the roster. So you've got to come down either on the side of Core Widow or Agent Widow, and they are both fantastic. They do very different things, um, but uh, they can just... It almost defines your roster, I think, whether you're building an Avengers roster with Core Widow or with Agent Widow. Yeah, it's definitely a, a really important consideration for you to be making either way, because they're both great. And so you really want to, like, I specifically stop and math things out and go, okay, with this roster, let's say I'm playing against Team X in this crisis at this threat level. What do I want to mm. drop into that situation? And I start building out some various teams, and I look for spots where, like, one thing I found is in my Asgard team, I, I'm, there are certain spots that I just like having a Koye. And I'm like, she's actually kind of critical. You wouldn't necessarily think that, but there's just really important spots where I like having her. And I think that's the sort of questions you want to be asking yourself when looking at your Avengers rosters is going, where, where, where am I going to play this character at? And is there a substitute or can I fit one of my other characters into that spot and do almost as well? And those are some hard decisions to make. And Widow is the first one of these, right? The, the very first one where you have to yeah. make those sort of hard, uh, hard decisions. And it, there's no easy answer there. No, um, I, I think to an extent, it depends what you're, what you're trying to push in terms of crises. I think that, uh, Core Widow is fantastic on extremists, and she's great if you're thinking about um, multiple extracts, so um, Spider Infected, for example, or uh, if you wanted to play um, one of those multi-extracts, if you had a particular plan, she's great just having a cheap, cheap, fast character who can run out there and grab them and then be annoying and hard to get rid of because she's got stealth. Um, but then you've got uh, Agent Widow, who's got really her... Um, automatic pistol can do really quite a lot of damage uh it can because you've got two rolls you've got that dice variance comes into play a lot more uh it comes out to being a, about the same as a six dice strike on a three threat character which is fantastic so if you want her to deal a load of damage she's really good at that you've also got tear gas which i really rate it's probably my favorite part of her card is uh handing out poison and uh, not dealing damage. So linking back to Balance of Power, she is a fantastic character for playing with Balance of Power. Um, so they're both definitely ones you can include and build around and have really strong teams with them. It's a question of thinking, what do I want to do with it? 
I agree. Um, and I know he's not a real recent release, but I think one of the morals that has hit me throughout these episodes is that I think I need to be playing Loki more. <laughs> and I think Loki plus Gem is potentially a wonderful fit in Avengers because he can use I am a God on his strikes to generate a bunch of power that then he can use trickster to like deny attacks and he can use I am a God defensively. He plays reasonably well into Modok where if Modok is attacking him, then Modok has to spend two power to reroll one or three mm -hmm. power to reroll two. And that throws his economy out of whack. I am a god on a four defense roll versus those psychic attacks is great. Like, yeah, the other thing I am a god does is it counts blanks as successes, and Modok's ability is to turn wilds into blanks. So you're completely, by turning on I am a god, you're completely negating his defensive attack, which is a huge. Yep, one 100%. And so. Uh, I think I think Loki is should be a strong consideration in a lot of Avengers rosters. He just he kind of he he fits the bill on just a lot of situations. But for other new characters, I think Ronan is another one that we're talking about a lot in all of mm -hmm. these episodes. And I think Ronan in particular, when Avengers, where he can judge for one is is gonna be great and further plays into like he plays into deadly meteors great he he gives you a range of tech where he's can be very defensive he can penalize your opponent for attacking him he still has he had great attacks but he can also play the like push and throw sort of game with his attacks so he plays into that sort of versatility and so he's another one i think avengers should look at pretty heavily mm. I've been pretty high on Iron Man in the past, and the, uh, he's got some good abilities, and I like the way he plays. But the main thing that Iron Man was bringing was a three-threat-affiliated character. And we've now got two more of those in Agent Widow and Hawkeye as well. So I think Hawkeye and what he brings is... Uh, it's, it's really I was surprised when you see him and you look at him and you go, well, he's only got one attack. Uh, but the amount that he can do and what he can do when you get him on the table is is really quite impressive. Yeah, and a lot of times when you think about it, like Iron Man most of the time is making a four-power attack and then sometimes gets to make a six-power attack. Mm -hmm. And Hawkeye just kind of being a consistent five-power attack across the board all the time. Um, I think that is where... Again, that kind of little bit more consistency that Hawkeye brings is also very helpful because, again, you're trying to survive through that late game. Um, and maybe you should be considering more of these invulnerable characters like Proxima and Black Dwarf, like because, again, they also help you make it to that late game. So Black Dwarf was the other one I was going to mention. Uh, I think uh, I'm really excited to get him and play him in Avengers. Um I think he does exactly what they want. He can take a while to get there, which is basically his only downside. And Avengers don't have a great way of mitigating that, short of having Hulk pick him up, throw him, which is a pretty good way of mitigating it, but it means you're investing yeah. in Hulk, and you've got to have Hulk and Gamma launch on your roster. And you, maybe you're, you're happy with that. Maybe that ties in with a whole load of teams you want to build. Great. Once he gets there, he just does everything they want. He's got throws, he's got big attacks, he's got a huge amount of stamina and um, uh, this, this invulnerability type ability that means that he kind of, um, the way I sort of think of it is, well, he's got six stamina on his healthy side. And then when you look at the mass, it's roughly sort of three attacks-ish to get rid of that. So that's kind of 
three extra stamina that he gets from his invulnerability on that side. So he's got nine, sort of, in a weird kind of way, although it says six because of the invulnerability, unless you get some big spikes. He's got, it's going to take at least two attacks to take him down. So he's got at least eight on his healthy side, and then he's got eight printed on his injured side, and then the invulnerability. So that's going to take at least three, probably four attacks. So maybe that's 12 stamina, maybe? He's kind of almost as tough as Hulk. Uh, and he's got this dazed ability to negate a whole load of uh, bleed, uh, damage that doesn't bleed over from the a big attack that manages to daze him. And he's only four threat, and there's a lot of yeah. characters that can't throw him off of a crisis because of his yeah. size. Like there's there's a lot to like about that character. So I think that's going to be a big one. Yep, I, that does not surprise me at all. I think that's absolutely huge. And, and uh, that's without going into his, well, you've got Cap to bodyguard, and you've got him to distract when he gets that close to people as well. Yeah, there's a lot of changing target shenanigans that can be going on with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it absolutely creates some complications for your opponent, and I think that's what you want to be aiming for. And with that, I think we might see a re-evaluation of Second Wind. Second Wind heals one and removes stun. A lot of people play it with Hulks. They really don't like having Hulk stunned. I've always been more interested in the heal one. And I think with Cap bodyguarding and with Black Dwarf uh, moving moving targets around even more, that you're going to have your damage spread out more. I think that uh, Second Wind could be something that comes into its own in that kind of team. Yeah, it's there's a lot to consider with Avengers, and I think as we said, they're they're a very high ceiling skill list, right? Like they're you mm. know just in general, there's not a lot of just straightforward answers, and so that's it's definitely one where if you want to put in the work and the practice, I think it's really going to show in Avengers, maybe even more so than the other affiliations. I think that's that's true, and I think that's maybe why we're not seeing them shine at the minute. I think the very complicated and they do require a lot of practice to properly unlock whereas uh, I think a lot of people have like Wakanda and Cabal as some of the top affiliations they are very strong but I think the amount of work to get your head around the list and how it works is a lot lower than it will be for an Avengers roster I also think the fact that they favor some of the um, crisis that other players have shied away from, like in general, a lot of people have shied away from any of the crisis that require rolling. So mm. power core scrolls, deadly meteors. And I think Avengers um, actively prefers the crisis with the rolling. And I think part of it is because they can play a six-turn game where even if one of those turns things go badly for them, they're playing a long enough game plan that that one turn of things going bad isn't that big of a deal, or it can be a huge deal for the other affiliations. And so I think I think that's one of the things that's played into us not really seeing this like dominant Avengers roster is because just the way that the meta has developing has not yet developed in such a way that really favors Avengers. But I think players are going to be adapting to this stuff pretty quick. And the game is now we're starting to get close to that one year mark. And I think I think we're going to start seeing some really strong Avengers rosters. Yeah, uh, I, th I think as people get more and more reps with them, as, as stores start, uh, or people start being able to play more in person. I, I can see Avengers being a top tier with the right person at the helm. Yes, for sure. And I think 
we've we've hit this spot where so many times people just want to try out the new stuff and you're just like i'm playing thor because he's new and i'm excited about him and i think once you've kind of like gotten a fair amount of practice with all of the avengers then you're going to start going okay i want this one for this situation and so on and Mm. so forth and i think once you're hitting that point that's where you're going to start seeing really really strong results from avengers absolutely Man, I'm really happy with how this episode has turned out. I know I felt like you and I had to do twice as much work for this one <laughs> as we have for some of the other ones. Like Avengers has so much depth. Yeah, and it's getting deeper. You know, we, we keep getting new Avengers coming out, which is great for the game uh, and it's exciting, but it just means that you're constantly having to reevaluate. Yeah, and it's just it makes lots of less than easy decisions for yeah. any Avengers player. I know. Give me, give me Asgard. Give me Wakanda. I've got four characters. They just all go in the roster. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, makes makes sense. All right, man. Well, again, Jacob, thank you so much for helping me record this episode. I hope the listeners enjoy this as much as we enjoyed recording it. Yeah, no, it's been great fun. And listeners, um, again, I appreciate everyone who supports me on Patreon. We're continuing to do bonus episodes for you, and we're going to have more affiliation-focused stuff on the horizon. want to try to dig in deep to each of these affiliations. So go out there, play some Avengers, make that perfect, adaptive, reactive team, and man, your opponent's going to walk away feeling like your game plan was just too OP.